If you could all turn to Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 11. We're going to be reading a very, very well-known passage of Scripture as we begin this message. Luke chapter 15 and starting from verse 11. And he said, talking about Jesus, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He found himself the lowest of the low. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bred enough in despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his eldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, These many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Tonight we're going to be talking about compassion. We're going to be talking a bit about compassion. Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray, Lord, as we, Lord, come before you tonight, Lord Jesus, Lord, to hear your word, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, you would, Lord, have, Lord, your way, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, we would Lord, realize things, Lord, that perhaps we have not realized before, Lord Jesus, and that, Lord, you would, Lord, anoint, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, your word would, Lord, go into, Lord, prepared hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So, as a synopsis, a father had two sons. The younger didn't want to wait for his inheritance. And so he said, I want my inheritance now. And he managed to get that and he went and he wasted it all. He, he got into all sorts of, of mischief and depravity and then found himself at the very bottom. And he actually came to his senses. He realized just what a situation he was in. So he went to his father, but he knew that he didn't deserve anything. He knew he didn't deserve to come back. He knew he didn't deserve to be a son again. And so he said, I'm just going to try and become one of the hired servants. I, I'm not worthy to be a son, but if the father will accept me back, then perhaps, just perhaps, I can become a hired servant. But his father saw him when he was a long, long way away, as he was just making his way back to the throne. And he ran. He, he gave him of the best stuff. And he came and, and basically had a feast and celebration that his son, his son that was lost and for all he knew dead had come back. But the brother didn't quite see things the same way that the father did. The brother was angry. The brother was angry that the father had actually received the son back as a son. And, and, and the fact that he had never gone out, but the father had never made a feast for him, but he had made a feast for this son as soon as he came back into the house. As has been said many times before, the story of the prodigal son is not about the prodigal son. It's about the older brother. When you tell a story or a parable, you finish with the main point of the story, the message you want to get across. You don't add unnecessary or useless filler to the end to pad it out. But you tell the story, you get to the point, and then you finish. That's the whole idea of telling a story or a parable. And so... Jesus didn't finish the story at the celebration with the, young, with the younger brother, but he finished it with the older brother and his reaction to this, this younger brother coming back into the father's house. So many times we focus on the son returning home and being welcomed by the father, which is an amazing story of redemption and reconciliation. But we skim over the older brother's reaction as being filler or something just tacked on at the end of an incredible story. When that was the actual point that Jesus was making. You see, the Father will always welcome with open arms those that have sinned and walked away from Him, no matter how long they've been in the church previously, and no matter how long they've been out of the church. That part isn't in question. That's not the point that Jesus needed to make with that parable. God never changes in his dealings with people and with the church. Hebrews 38 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. The way he works with the church does not change. The issue is always with how other saints of God handle it. Because God won't control other people. He always has the power to, but made the choice with Adam and Eve to give mankind their own free will. It must be hard for God sometimes as he sees people continually make the wrong choices, but he always keeps his word and sticks by his decisions. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
He made the decision way back in the beginning and he's not going to change that now. So the problem with backsliders coming back to church isn't with God or even necessarily with the backslider themselves, even though they may go through great struggles within themselves and also the condemnation of Satan. No, the potential issues lie with the other saints in the church, the older brother, if you will. I believe we have a very loving and welcoming church here at Northside, both for new people and for backsliders. But individuals within the church are a different story. Different people have different past relationships and even different past hurts with different backsliders. Some people are more naturally forgiving, while others struggle with forgiveness due to personality, or their personality, or, or due to past hurts, either real or perceived. So how would you feel when a backslider came back to Jesus, got all the limelight and all of the attention, and received incredible blessings from God? Especially if they've hurt you deeply on the way out of the church. Or when you're struggling yourself spiritually, mentally, or financially, but have never left the church. You've been faithful through many times, and then this, this backslider, this person who came and was here for a time, just left and then comes back and receives incredible blessings from God. Can you push past the emotion and the feelings and be genuinely happy and even excited for the lost sheep that has come home? God is in the business of forgiveness and restoration. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you, for me, and for everybody else, even the backslider. At conference, Brother Jacob Caldebiano preached a message about their coming home, which talked about backsliders coming back to church this year, not just for his assembly, but for the church nationwide. And I have no reason to believe that he wasn't preaching by the Holy Ghost. So we should be prepared for backsliders to walk through these doors this year, both those that you want to come back and those that you don't. It's going to be our attitude that shows how close we are to Jesus when they are completely forgiven. We need to realize that backsliders need Jesus just as much as we do, and more because they aren't saved until they come to a place of complete and genuine repentance. We need to be able to go beyond our feelings or our judgments of backsliders and not just forgive them and accept them back, but actually have compassion on them. So what does the word compassion mean? It's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. So it's not just feelings, it's not just sympathy, it's not just sorrow, but there's a strong desire to help, to, to bring back, to, to make right. Compassion reaches deep down into our heart as we put ourselves in their shoes and understand the spiritual and emotional torture that they have experienced as they first made the terrible decision to leave the church and now want to make it back to Jesus. But not only that, compassion makes us want to help them come back to Jesus in any way that we can. That could be an encouraging word or having them over for lunch or dinner or just being there to listen and show that we care. Jesus showed compassion many times in the Gospels as he walked through the land of Israel. Jesus healed multitudes because 
He had compassion on them. Matthew 9.36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. He knew what they needed, and so he was filled with compassion and met their needs. There was the feeding of the 5,000 where, where um, Jesus uh, miraculously multiplied uh, loaves and fishes. And before he did that, the Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude that, that had followed him out of, um, of the cities on foot. They didn't, they didn't ride donkeys, but they actually followed him. They walked. And so they... They had, had, they had followed him. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And so Jesus then went and met their physical needs. When Jesus fed the 4,000 in Matthew, and sorry, Mark 8, 2, it says, I have compassion on the multitude. Because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for diverse or many of them came from far. Jesus knew what they needed and he had compassion on them. He fed them in that place. There were two blind men by the wayside who had nothing to live for. They, they, they could only... Eat get a, an existence by begging. And when they heard that Jesus was coming, they called out to him and said, Have mercy on us, O Lord, the son of David. And Jesus said, Well, what, what would you like me to do for you? And they said, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And in Matthew twenty thirty four it says, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. And they followed him. Jesus felt what they were going through. Jesus understood the, the pain and the suffering. Jesus understood what it was to be, or the, the, the situation that they were in. And he had compassion on them and met their needs. Jesus healed a leper. There came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt... Thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, brought forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Jesus healed a demon-possessed man at Gadarenes who had a legion of devils. And when Jesus sent him away, he wanted to follow Jesus. When Jesus sent him away, he says, How be Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to their friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Jesus saw his situation. Jesus knew what he had been through. Jesus knew his, his cry of his heart and he had compassion on him and delivered him from those devils. <clears throat> Jesus came past um, a, a widow of Nain as there was a funeral procession and he had compassion on the, the widow and raised the son from the dead because he saw what would happen to the, the widow woman he knew the situation he understood and his heart yearned his heart was, was uh, had compassion 
on the on the woman. Not only did Jesus show compassion, he also taught spiritual concepts on compassion through the parables. The Good Samaritan, where there were two uh, two uh, men of, of the church of the time who passed by someone who had been beaten up, and they just passed by the other side. But a Samaritan who was only half Jew came and he he ministered to that that uh, man. He had compassion on him. And there's the the parable also of a, a of a man who came to a ruler, a king, and he owed a great amount to this king. And when, the, when, when uh, he came before the king, he said, Have mercy on me, and I'll, I'll just wait a while and I'll pay you everything. And it, the, the king had compassion on him and actually forgave him everything. But when that man went out, he uh, found someone who only owed him just a very small amount. And, uh, and threw him into prison. And then the king came and threw him into prison uh, because he, he didn't have compassion like he had been showed himself. Compassion doesn't mean that the person deserves forgiveness. There's nothing in the meaning of compassion that, said, that says... that says uh, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who was stricken by a misfortune that's not of their own making. It just says he was stricken by misfortune. It doesn't mean that the person actually deserves forgiveness. The person may have got into the situation and the mess through their own ill-advised or bad or even sinful choices. But compassion goes beyond the state of the person's heart and sees them as Jesus sees them. A lost sheep that needs to come home. In Luke 15:4, another parable, Jesus says, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. So when a backslider comes back to church and truly repents, heaven rejoices. And if we are truly the children of God, we should do the same. I don't want to belittle any hurts of the past done to you by backsliders because it's real and painful and needs to be healed. But when a backslider completely comes back to Jesus, it's their eternal soul we're talking about. It's, it's something that cannot be measured in terms of value. Every single person is valuable to Jesus and to us. Jesus still loves them and he wants them to be saved. The church as a whole still loves them and wants them to be saved. And when we have the heart of Jesus, as individuals, we will also still love them, have compassion on them, and want them to be saved, even if they have hurt us deeply. And this compassion doesn't just extend to backsliders. We can have compassion on people in the church. When we see someone going through a hard time, when we see someone make bad choices or, or wrong decisions, 
do we just sit back and and say and say, well, they made a bad decision, and uh, and then have nothing to do with them and shun them like they're a leper? Or do we have compassion on them, knowing that we ourselves are flesh, knowing that we make our own mistakes, and knowing that we could be in a similar position one day, needing help and encouragement from someone else. When we see our brother or our sister going through a hard time, let's have compassion. Let's encourage. Let's lift them up. Let's, let's do what we need to do to make sure that they know that they are welcome, that they are loved, and that we care deeply for each and every one. Let's seek to be more like Jesus and be moved with compassion for, yes, the lost people in the world. They, they need our compassion. They need, they need to come to Jesus. They, they need us more than they could ever realize. Let's be moved with compassion also for the lost people from the church. Those who have come, who have been saved and have made the wrong choices, but now want to come back and make it right with God. They are our prodigal sons. They are the people that will come. We can't afford to be the older brother. We can't afford to have attitudes or look down our noses at those who come through these doors. No matter how much we may know about the situation or the reasons why they left the church. When backsliders come back, and receive the blessings in favor of God, let's rejoice with them like the father of the prodigal son, like the angels that rejoice in heaven, like heaven that rejoices every time someone comes back to Jesus. Thank you.